Welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast, where our mission is to encourage, equip, and empower every woman on her faith journey with Jesus Christ. Today, we are honored to hear from operations director, clinical social worker, wife, mom, and jigsaw puzzler, Stacy Sikorsky, as she has a conversation with our podcast host, McKelty Bloom. In this episode, you'll hear Stacy share about mental health and navigating stress, as well as how to prepare for stressful holiday seasons and practical tools to set yourself up for a win. She is passionate about family and caring for others from your healthiest you. I hope you enjoy this podcast. Stacy Sikorsky, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy that you're here. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. You know, I have to ask, I was thinking about this. How often do people say Stikorsky? Like they add a T in there. I I don't know. I don't know. But um, I think anytime you have a name that has like a ski on the end, people like freak out. (laughs) And so, um, I know when I was learning the last name, since it is my married name, um, my husband was like, it's like, you're sick or you go skiing sick (laughs) or ski. And I was like, okay. Okay. So then that's how I've, that's how I've told people when they like have that panic look on their, on their face. And then they don't say my last name. I'm like, okay, it's, it's not that hard. (laughs) That's a really good way to think of it. And I ask because I'm pretty sure I added a T for the first three years I knew you. <laughs> oh, that's, that's hilarious that I would never caught on. So you're totally fine. <laughs> and then so. I realized it one day and I was like, you know what? There's no T here. Let's, so now I always like triple, <laughs> triple that's buff awesome. myself. <laughs> oh, oh but I awesome. love it. Well, I'm so glad to have you on the podcast today. And it's, you know, extra fun for me just because not only is your, not only are you a guest here, but I've known you, I think for like seven years now, I was trying to do the math in my head and you've become a mentor in my life and a friend. And so it's really just a pleasure to sit and chat with you. But for those who don't know you, if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself just personally and career and just who Stacey is. Yeah. Awesome. I do think it's been seven years, so I'm pretty sure. Uh, so, um, I am, um, I'm a social worker, so that's what I do, not who I am, but what I do. And, um, I've been a social worker now for 22 years and, um, I have had the, uh, luxury, um, I will say of being able to be in a lot of different, um, facets of social work, which is why I love that, um, that field so much. So I've done schools, I've done mental health, I've done residential for kids. I've done, uh, worked with homeless teens, um, dual diagnosed clients, drug and alcohol rehab. Um, I worked in higher ed, um, which is how I met you, uh, working at North central university and, um, And then now for the last little bit, um, I have um, had the pleasure of leading uh, an amazing group of people here in Minnesota. Um, And I work at Nexus Kindred Family Healing, and we are a foster care and an an adoption agency. um, And we do adoption within the foster care system here in Minnesota. So that's a little bit about what I do. And um, I have a family. So my husband, Adam, uh, he's, we've been married for 20 years and, um, he teaches at North central, North central in the pastoral department. And we have two kiddos, a 17 year old girl who's a senior this year and a 13 year old boy who will be going in eighth grade. Um, so my job and my family keeps me pretty busy. <laughs> um, I don't have 
a ton of extra time. Um, but, uh, I love doing things with my family. And so we love to stay active. We live here in the Metro and the twin cities in, in Minnesota. And, um, I love finding things to do within our community, within the Metro area. So, um, whether that's hiking or festivals or, you know, I don't know, whatever is going on, I just love to find it and, and do that. So, um, but yeah, that's a little bit about me. Yeah. You guys are always so busy and I love it. You're, you're like that, my idea mom where I'm like, okay, that's a good idea, Stacey. I'm going to try that. Or <laughs> I know this past, this past summer we went to, um, we did our first ever like up North trip and we like went, uh, you know, Duluth to, um, Grand Marais and, you know, Grand Portage. And then we went into, um, the boundary water type area. And a lot of people were like, okay, you need to like write out what you did every day and sell that to people because your <laughs> social media really made me want to go. So well, you're I'm glad also, I can be the idea mom. <laughs> you are also like the queen of planning things. And so yes, organized. That so, yes that, that completely makes sense. <laughs> That's funny. I love that. Well, I am excited to talk today um, about what we're just going to be discussing because so bridging the gap believes so strongly in addressing like mental health and self-care and just having some mindfulness around what that really means. And so we have just made it a goal that, you know, a couple of times a year, we're going to use this platform as a resource for people to be encouraging them and bringing awareness. And we've had a few people on that have talked about mental health in a variety, a variety of different ways. And I think that's what I like about talking about mental health is you can take it in different avenues. And we've talked about, you know, stress and we've talked about more of the psychology of it and what, what that is, what anxiety is, but you are someone who, again, I've had years and years of watching you do this so well that you understand mental health and not only do you educate on it, but you're like, okay, what can we do about it though? Like, this is the, the concern, anxiety, depression, you know, I'd love for you to spend some time too in a little bit talking about what you saw in higher education when you were part of the student success center and just the, the real challenges that people are facing. And then you're like, okay, here are action steps. Like, let's do something about it. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited just to jump in and talk about that today, but just as a, a brief overview, you know, We've seen such an increase in awareness in mental health, but what has that meant for you, you know, in your personal life, in your professional life with uh, social work, hello, mental health everywhere, but what has that just been like for you and why is it so important that we have these open and non-shaming conversations about it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's good. You know, uh, 20. 22 years ago, um, I would say professionally, when I thought about mental health, um, I really thought about it as something when there was a problem. And I think what I've really learned over time is that um, mental health is just a part of who God created us to be. You're right. He created our bodies. He created our minds. He created our emotions. He created all of those things. And so I've just really learned both personally and professionally over time, that mental health is a part of who we are mm -hmm. and that we need to pay attention to it. 
Um, just like we pay attention to all the other aspects of our life, just like we feed our bodies, just like we feed our souls, just like we work on relationships, just like, you know, we make sure that we go to the doctor or we brush our teeth or, you know, we, we do both preventative measures and we just do things because it keeps us alive. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think mental health should be no different. And I think over time, um, we have, um, there's been a lot of, there used to be a lot more stigma with mental health. And I think the last several generations, um, have really, uh, done some great work to say, we're not, we're not doing this anymore. We're not going to allow there to be stigma within the church, within the workplace, within schools, within our society, like it's okay um, to talk about mental health. And we should just because I think it is, it's who we are and we really do have to pay attention. So that's, that's probably been my biggest thing over my, my lifetime is just recognizing it's uh, it's, we have to talk about it. We have to deal with it. We have to work on it just like we brush our teeth, eat food, sleep, and do all those things. It's just a part of who we are. I really love how you phrase all that because it's true. It's, I was thinking as you were talking, like whenever someone said mental health, I think my mind instantly went negative. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, my mental health isn't good or, oh, challenges. Mm -hmm. But it truly, it's just the, the state of health (laughs) of your your mental state. Exactly. Exactly. Really good point. To, mm-hmm. to, yeah, to look at it that way. Well, I think so. One of my, you know, I'll I'll kind of share some of my big like mantras or like things that I hold close. And one of the things um, that I have really um, come to connect with as part of um, who I am is this idea that so often in life we think things are either or but really things are both. And like you either like spicy food or you don't, you are either a Democrat or you're a Republican. You either have your mental health is good or it's bad. I mean, you could, we could go on and on and on and on about the either ors, but I really think life is way more both ands than either or. And, um, you can feel happy and maybe struggle some with mental health, right? Like you can um, struggle with mental health, anxiety, sadness, and love Jesus fiercely. Yeah. Um, You can practice self-care and be happy. um, And um, some days you just wake up and you have the blues, right? And so um, I just think, with with mental health and the whole idea of talking about it is you can't just really be categorized as like it's going well or it's not going well. I think there's a lot more gray and both ands than there are just this very strict either or, um, you know, oh, I have anxiety. And so, you know, I must not have happy days or I, I must not have calm days. Like, things can very much so be a both and um, when we're talking about mental health. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And when you have that, that both and it's so important to understand that balance and to decide like, okay, when I'm having this balance as in anything in life, I have to do reflection. I have to figure mm-hmm. out like what it specifically means for me, because it means something so different for every single person. And I think that goes a lot with the term self-care. Like you hear it all the time now um, and people talking about self-care, just trying to dive into it, giving tips of what self-care means to them. But I'm just curious, especially coming from a person who has had very high intensity jobs for years and years and years (laughs) where self-care is just a much needed priority just to have basic sanity (laughs) during the day. You know, what does that specifically mean for you? And what are just like practical things that you have maybe done to help yourself in that area? Yeah. Well, I really don't think you can talk about self-care without I can't talk about it without talking a little bit about the brain. So I'm going to keep it just like real simple. Um, and I will say our downstairs part of our brain, the, you know, the farthest part of our brain um, is actually the amygdala. And it, it is what is first um, developed in utero is that downstairs part of the brain. And that's the part that controls your breathing, your blood pressure, your heart rate, but also the fight flight freeze. So those are our alert responses, okay? So downstairs part. The upstairs part of your brain the in the front, like where your forehead is, is your prefrontal cortex. And I like to call it our CEO of our brain. So that is directing the conscious part. So that's our attention and our planning and our reasoning and working memory and all of those kinds of things. I think, so I'm gonna say all that because it's, um, I think what has happened in our society and um, is that we live this stress state um, because we don't actually like finish or like work through our stress the mm. way that we used to like back in caveman days. <laughs> um, and some, some of this is some of what I'm talking about is some, some stuff that I've gathered from a book. Um, called Burnout, The Secret to Unlocking the Stress Cycle. Um, it's not a Christian book, um, which is fine. It's amazing, amazing content about like releasing that stress cycle. Um, and it actually talks specifically about how women experience burnout very differently from for men. So I would strongly mm-hmm. encourage people if, if you like experience that burnout or whatever. But if you think about that downstairs part of the brain, you think about like back in caveman days, um, when someone was being chased by a lion, right? That downstairs part of your brain activates, it's fires, fires, fires. And you're like running from the bear. You have like, um, you, you know, so your body is moving, your heart rate is elevated, your adrenaline is pumping, you know, you have very laser, fo- very much so laser focus of how you're going to escape the lion. Um, so you're running, 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 you get back to your village and, you know, you, you escape, you escape this lion and, and you're cheering and you're celebrating with all the other people in the village and your body recognizes, oh, okay. The, the fear is gone. I don't have to run anymore. So what, what your body has done, what your brain has done is it's triggered the rest of your body that it can relax mm-hmm. and it can calm. 
We don't do that anymore. So the stress that comes to us, let's just talk about driving in traffic in the Twin Cities, right? Mm -hmm. You're like driving in traffic and people are honking and what was supposed to be a 20 minute ride is now a 60 minute ride. And your fight, flight, freeze is like firing, 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 firing. You get into your driveway, you turn off the car, you walk inside, your brain is still firing at that fight, flight, freeze um, um, because you haven't done anything to close that stress cycle. Mm -hmm. So you snap at your kids, you get irritated easily. Um, You, you know, I mean, you just feel stressed out, right? So when you actually close that stress cycle, you could say some of it is self-care. Then you, your, your, your brain has told the rest of your body, it can calm, it can, it can relax. So when I think about self-care, I don't think about it as bubble baths and chocolate, although those are really awesome things, (laughs) (laughs) right? I'm not going, or even a vacation, like Mm -hmm. that is like, something you do, but I really think self-care has to be something that you implement on a daily basis in little ways, because otherwise you're going to burn out. So Mm -hmm. if we go back to the idea of commuting um, and, you know, there was an accident and you're sitting there and you come home and, you know, your, your um, shoulders are like really tense, you know, because of the drive, get out of the car and do 20 jumping jacks. Mm -hmm. right, right there. You just closed your stress cycle by 20 jumping jacks. You didn't go inside and do a 45 minute bubble bath. You did 20 jumping jacks, but just that alone reduces that stress cycle. So a lot of, I mean, the, the book, if you got the book, it'll tell you a lot more ideas, but it can be as simple as going for a walk, um, exercising, something that's going to help trigger the brain, um, journaling, um, singing, uh, you know, different things like that. Um, they have about 25 different things that they talk about, but I think it's important for people to be intentional when they're recognizing stress um, and you can, you know, close that stress cycle by doing something specific in those moments. So for me, that's like one thing about self-care is you've got to understand the brain. You got to understand what's happening in your body because stress lives within our body. It's not just a, an external thing, but our body actually significantly is impacted by stress um, blood pressure, heart rate, um, anxiety, depression, all kinds of things happen if we don't deal with stress. So that's like my part a, which I know is kind of long-winded. I love it. um, I love it. But when to go back to like, what are things that we can do? Um, I I think again, you know, you, you got to, you got to find ways to build in, um, self-care moments. I I think the word self-care is really overused, Mm -hmm. Um, but if you break it down, it's caring for yourself. That's what it is. So it's recognizing what your body is telling you. Um, It's um, recognizing your sleep. It's ensuring that you're fueling your body appropriately so you can take care of your day-to-day life. Um, And then it's building in little things 
Um, it can be big things as well, but building in little things on a daily basis um, just to make sure that you're truly taking care of yourself. I think different seasons require different types of self-care. Yeah. Right. So you're about to have baby number two yeah. <laughs> and um, the amount of time you're going to have for self-care is about like 2.2 seconds. <laughs> right. So it's like thinking ahead of time, like, what do I need in order to be the best me in this season? It may be having someone come and help you with your laundry. It may be having someone come and hold a baby so you can take a 30 minute nap. It may be asking your friends if they'll do a meal train for you. So you don't have to think about dinners, right? It's, yeah. it's you being intentional and finding things that are going to help you in a specific season. I, you know, I have much older kids and now I don't see the whites of their eyes until like one in the afternoon in the <laughs> summer. Right. So like my, my self-care isn't about someone doing my laundry and things like that. My self-care is just because my job is so demanding. Um, and the amount of hours I'm currently having to put in that I have to be intentional and build in self-care in other ways. So I have, um, I work from home. I'm a huge people person. I don't get to see people as much anymore. So I've been really intentional about um, uh, having coffee or lunch with somebody twice a month. Mm -hmm. um, I've been super intentional about going for walks in the evening and listening to music I've been intentional about, um, I love having something to look forward to. So planning um, like um, a trip or a big outing or something. So I always have something to look forward to. Um, again, it's not bubble baths and chocolate are great, but those are going to be real temporary. Um, and you got to get to the heart and like who you are and what's going to actually like fill you back up. Mm -hmm. Um so that's kind of my really long answer that you ask, because I think you just got to understand your brain, your body. I would highly recommend um, that book about um, burnout and like closing that stress cycle and finding little things, um, you know, to build into your day so that you can um, make sure that you don't get to a burnout phase. I mean, that's really what we're trying to prevent here is being snarky and snippy and tired and not being the best version of you. Um, and so I think it's, it'll be very different for everybody depending on the season that they're in. Who is an exemplary woman leader in your life? Nominate her for the Lund Leadership Award. Bridging the Gap believes all women are leaders and it's our desire to honor women who lead with excellence in various areas, including in ministry, marketplace, community, and family. The Lund Leadership Award was created to recognize individuals who demonstrate exceptional leadership and empower other women to step into leadership as well. The former Bridging the Gap director of 25 years, Kara Lund, is a beautiful example of this, and we are honored to name the award after her and her legacy at Bridging the Gap. The award will be presented annually at the Sisterhood Leadership Retreat. To learn more about nomination criteria and how you can nominate an amazing woman leader in your life, go to mnbtg.org slash sisterhood slash Lund Leadership Award. The deadline for nominations is 11.59 p.m. on October 31st. Visit our website. Again, that's mnbtg.org slash sisterhood slash Lund Leadership Award and submit your nomination today. 
No, I really appreciate all of that because I agree. I think the term self-care can be so overused and it can be used more as like a band-aid. You know, like you said, like, oh, okay, you're overwhelmed. Just take a quick like weekend getaway or just do that. Go to the spa for a minute. Go get a massage. You know, it's a lot of band-aids and people don't fully understand the education of, wait, why am I continuing to get to the point where I need all of these things just to you know, have a calm day and to have my mind right. So I just really hope that all the listeners here are just taking in that education and really thinking for themselves too of, wow, okay, where are my moments where I'm feeling like I have not closed that stress cycle? I think that was a perfect visual and thinking, Mm -hmm. what can I do then in those moments? Is it doing quick jumping jacks for 15 minutes? Is it just something else that I can do quickly? And instead of it being this long, drawn out thing that, you know, takes you a day away from your family and implementing it every single day. So I think that was absolutely perfect. And another concept I've heard you talk more about too is mindfulness. Now, is that similar to self-care or is it a little bit different? How would you describe that? Well, I I first want to say that, um, mindfulness, some people might get a little freaked out by us just using the word mindfulness within the church, right? Because they're like, oh my word, they're about to start talking about some Eastern religion. And let me just say that is not true. Okay. Um, uh, we can see parts of mindfulness and the, and cause mindfulness is just, um, paying attention in a particular way. That's actually the definition is it's, it literally is paying attention in a particular way. Um, and you can actually see parts of mindfulness or awareness, um, expressed in scripture and throughout Christian history. The Bible tells us to exercise disciplined attentiveness to our minds and our hearts and to set aside our attachment to ourselves and live in awareness of God. So I just want to like, say that up front that we're not talking about some Eastern religion here, but like, we're just talking about paying attention. Um, and I think mindfulness is one of many things that should be in someone's tool belt on how to, how to live life. Just like, I think you should understand the brain and your body. That's, that's, that's one thing you can put in your tool belt or your toolbox, um, self-care and finding the things that, um, that you enjoy should also be in your toolbox. I also think mindfulness should be in your Mm -hmm. toolbox. Um, and mindfulness is, is about stress reduction and it's, it's a tool to help you with the stress reduction. And I want to kind of tie our last conversation in this together by saying there's a difference between stressors and stress. So Mm -hmm. stressors are the things like, um, worrying about finances or health issues or, um, you know, uh, your commute or, you know, things like that. Stress are the things that actually threaten you. It's the things that threaten us. It's the things that, um, that, um, you know, that, uh, we will be like the running from the lion type of a deal. Right. So the stress is like the chronic part. Um, when you're dealing with the stress, um, it's not, and you're doing mindfulness or self-care, it doesn't take away your stressors. The stressors are still going to be there, right? If you have to commute to work, it's going to be there every single day, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's using mindfulness or other techniques to help you deal with the stress 
of the stressors. Um, so I just think it, you know, it's like when we're talking about using these different tools, it doesn't take away the stressors. It just helps you manage the stress mm-hmm. of them. And so just thought I'd, uh, um, kind of share that a little bit. Um, mindfulness is, is something that helps you just quiet your mind so that you can't, so you, it, you're dealing with that stress piece of it. Um, there's lots of benefits to mindfulness. There's tons of empirical evidence about when people use mindfulness. Um, there's some really great research and evidence about how the brain actually changes. Like if you aren't aware, your brain, like it actually can grow and develop. It can also die in parts of it um, based on different things that happen in your life. But when people use mindfulness, they've actually seen lots of changes happen in the brain. And I won't get into all the crazy science (laughs) of it, but one of my favorite people is Dr. Carolyn Leaf. She's an amazing, wonderful Christian, and she's an amazing neuroscientist, and she has some great um, stuff out there as well. Um, But, um, you know, mindfulness is the act of just being present. I read um, on social media today, a mom shared, um, you know, just having a hard time letting her kids go to college. And, um, and so she was just, you know, sharing a a little story about, you know, you got to sometimes put your baby in the basket referring to, uh, the Bible story and like, let them go. Um, and, um, you know, she has some younger kids in the home. And so she said she was super intentional when she was rocking them to like pay focused attention to their eyelashes and just like savor that moment. And she said nothing magical or anything crazy happened, but it just quieted her. It, she just, she quieted herself, right? She just took in the moment. It didn't take away her sadness um, about sending her other kid to college, but watching her younger one's eyelashes just quieted herself. And she was just reminded by the Lord that he's with her. And he's with her through her emotions mm-hmm. and that he was present. And that's really what mindfulness is. It's just, it's yeah. paying attention to something specific. And so people can use it in a lot of ways. I love that in scripture, it tells us to quiet ourselves. How many times have we heard that we need to listen to the Lord, right? Our, our world is so busy. We have so much stuff coming at us and let's not lose in the busyness and the stress that our lives cause us, that opportunity to just be still and quiet. Um, you can focus on your breath. You can, you have a kiddo at home who's just really feeling dysregulated. Go outside. Nature is like the number one way to practice mindfulness. Yeah. My, my cousin is a new mom of her second one. And she said every single time her little one is fussy and her two-year-old is a little bit crazy, she always goes outside. And the moment she goes outside, the, the fussy one instantly quiets. Mm-hmm. And there's something amazing about being in nature. Go lay outside and watch the clouds. Take your three-year-old who's driving you crazy <laughs> and go outside, lay on the grass and watch the clouds. Um, pay focused attention to a flower. Take a scripture verse and just go word by word by word read the first word out loud and just be still and think and ponder on that word. It's paying special attention to one thing and go word by word by word. That's lots of different ideas of mindfulness. Um, But again, I think it's just a tool within your tool belt 
um, along with self-care and, and several other things um, that people can use. But it's not something to be scary. I think, yes, you need to be careful. As Christians, we need to be careful about what we listen to and what we put in our minds and hearts. But um, we see it in scripture and it's something that anybody can do. And it's it's a really easy tool to help us um, with our mental health and self-care. Yeah, I really like that, you know, classification of it being, you know, just a time that you're quieting your mind. And for me, I've seen that. It, I'm glad you mentioned nature because that's where it is big time for me. We have a walking path and my favorite time is in the fall and just walking and looking at the trees, like paying extra attention to the colors of the leaves and what's happening. What do I hear? Like, it just some, for some reason, when you're just having more awareness of your surroundings and that calm atmosphere, your mind just shuts down. Like it just quiets itself. And those have been some of my big moments with God is because when you finally do have all of the noise out of your head, you're able just to hear him easier and mm-hmm. calm your whole body. Cause when your mind is calm, your body can calm down. So I think that was just the perfect explanation of it. Um, well, and I, and if you go back to the brain, right, when we do those things, you're going from your downstairs part of your brain, your fight flight mm-hmm. breeze. So when you're under a lot of stress and you haven't closed that cycle, that's the part of your brain that you're living your life out of. So it's just constantly, it's, it's um, someone who's commuting and gets cut off and they go into road rage. Okay. Should somebody cutting you off in traffic make you have the same response as if the lion was chasing you? No, it shouldn't. But when we, when we are activate, when that part of the brain is so activated because we haven't calmed ourselves, we haven't closed our stress cycles um, then that's how we respond to everything. But yeah. when we do that, when, when we calm ourselves, connect with nature, do mindfulness, you know, spend that time listening to worship, doing our devotions, mm-hmm. praying, you know, all of those types of things, then we get back into our upstairs part of our brain. It's the yeah. reasoning part of our brain. It's our CEO brain. And that's how we can then function better is when we are ensuring that we're in that part of the brain versus the lower. And you can do the same thing with your kids. If you have kids at home, think about it. When they're having that tantrum, they are using their downstairs part of the brain. What can I do as the parent to help them use their upstairs brain? Okay, let's breathe together. Um, Let's go put our hands under cold water and wash our hands. Let's go outside and look at the... Um, at the, um, at the clouds or at the sun, or let's just take some breaths or whatever. There's lots of things that as parents, we can also do to help our kids regulate. Cause it's, again, it's all about getting to that upstairs part of the brain. Yeah, absolutely. I, I could talk about this for forever. I think it's just so passionate about I know, me too. It is one of my things. Yeah, always. But I think one of the things I was excited to focus on today too, and just to bring some awareness is the holiday stress. Because this was something I think like two or three years ago. Of course, it's heightened as I'm newly married because now it's just not my family. I'm juggling. It's, you know, his family. We're planning. There's lots of events in the holidays. The holidays are just busy in general. And I just found myself a couple of years ago being like, you know, I don't really like holiday McKelty. <laughs> <She's> not, <laughs> she isn't really <laughs> patient or kind. Like I'm not feeling the holiday spirit. And so I think 
for me, it was, I was getting so worked up and so stressed that I couldn't be present. I couldn't, you know, just take a deep breath and enjoy the moment. I'm sitting here. What meals do I need to put out next for people? Are they thirsty? How can I, you know, hostess mode. And I think that it just added this whole layer. And I know for me, I have just a small amount of stress compared to what I know a lot of people carry over the holidays. It, it brings a deeper sense of anxiety for some, whether that's because of maybe trauma that they've experienced. And so the holidays kind of activates that, or they lost somebody in the year. And this is the first holiday that they're not gone, that they're not there. And so there's a lot of grief. And I just know in general that it can just have a ton of heaviness. And as we're about to like jump into the holiday season, I don't know. I just wanted to have a conversation about this and just to hear your thoughts of why it might be more difficult for some people. What can we do to be present, to try to eliminate some of those, that stress. Cause again, you can't get rid of the stressors always the stress mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. as we jump into this holiday season. Yeah, you're right. Uh, absolutely. Um, the holidays um, can be um, a huge stressor for people as well as stress just because of the nature of all of the different things that, that you talked about. So I think there's two big things that people can do um, outside of some of the stuff that we've already talked about, like, mm-hmm. you know, um, being mindful, practicing some mindfulness, um, using that self-care, making sure that they're not letting those things go because of the busyness of the season. But I, for me, I think it's two big things. One is setting boundaries and adjusting your expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'll kind of dive dive into uh, both of those a little bit. Um, when it comes to adjusting expectations, I'm going to use myself as an example. And um, so back when um, the elf on the shelf was like <laughs> brand new, okay, brand new. And Mikkel, do you know this about me? I really don't do anything halfway. It's no. like, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to be all in. Mm-hmm. So before Pinterest was even a thing, Okay. Um, when elf was brand new, I was like, I'm going to get real creative with my elf on the shelf. Now, mind you, again, there's no Pinterest for you to Google and, and find different ideas. I made elaborate elf on the shelf themes every single (laughs) night. It was ridiculous. I would make a whole plan and a schedule of what they were, what he was going to do every night. I wrote out what materials I needed and like had this whole huge game plan. Okay. That was really cool for like one year. And then after that, I was like, well, now I've set my expectation. I've set my standard ridiculously high to the point when there was a lot going on in our life. And we had moved to Philadelphia and moved our whole family across the country. And I ended up having a diagnosis of cancer and was dealing with that. And then the holidays came and I remember putting the elf literally just on a shelf mm-hmm. and my kids saying, man, the elf in Philadelphia is really lame. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I had set my standard way too high. Now, I'm not saying that you can't do fun things and like you can't have some elaborate things for for your kids or whatever. I'm not saying that, except for I just think it's a good example of like, did my kids really care? Like they're 18 and 13 now. Do they really, you know, do they think about 
the gazillion elf things that happened every single night. No, they just have a memory of fun times at Christmas, but I dreaded doing it. And so I think we just set our expectations too high sometimes. I think we're like, I have to be that mom. And I don't know for me that it was like, I had to be that mom because we didn't have social media like that. We didn't have Pinterest like that. So I didn't have anything to, you know, to um, measure myself against. But unfortunately, we do have social media now. We do have this crazy expectation that your tree is supposed to look a certain way and that all your wrapping paper has to be perfect and you have to find the perfect gift and you have to do cookies as a family and then you have to post about it. And so your kitchen needs to look just right. And, and you have to, have to, have to, have to. And I think then we put ourselves in this huge um, conundrum of that our expectations have been too high. So I think when you, you know, the holiday is already busy, you know, that there's a lot of big feels if it is like the first holiday without the loved one, or it's a very traumatic time, um, you know, because of family dynamics, adjust your expectations. Don't say yes to every single thing, um, which goes into the boundaries. Um, I also love the book present over perfect by Shauna Nequist Mm -hmm. and chapter five radically changed my life. So I think the whole book is great, but if you just want to read chapter five, read chapter five. And it's this idea of monitoring our yeses. If you think about it as every time you say yes to something, you put out a physical chair, right? And like your, your backside sits in it. Okay. So I am a mom. That's a chair. I'm a mom to two kids. So that's two chairs. I'm a wife. That's three chairs. I run a business. That's four chairs. I teach a class on the side. That's five chairs. I'm a daughter. Um, I do Sunday or I teach a kids church once a month. I, this, I, this, I, this, every time you say yes, you physically put out a chair. You can only sit in so many chairs. And when one chair takes up more time, your other chairs are going to suffer. So I currently had a season where I was working 50, 60 hours a week because of my, uh, my agency that I'm running. And so, you know what? I wasn't a very present mom. I wasn't a very present wife. I couldn't go and do coffees with people. I couldn't do a lot of things. Um, my laundry was piling up, you know, all of those different, I didn't take care of myself. I wasn't going on my walks, all the things that I actually just preached, you know, talked about a moment ago, I wasn't doing for myself very well because my one chair was taking up all of my time. So in the holidays, you really got to monitor your yeses and you got to be okay with saying no, based on you are going to determine what type of holiday you're going to have. If you say yes to a lot of things, then you're going to be really busy. Mm-hmm. Um, if you say yes to having family over and hosting, then you then that's the chair you put out, right? And so, but then monitor some of your yeses and your expectations about that. You know, 
have pizza. Um, ask everyone to bring a dish so that you don't have to prepare everything. Um, make a charcuterie board and it's super fast and easy, but don't look online and make it so that it has to be Pinterest worthy. Who cares? Just put it out on the table, you know, like set, don't, you know, adjust your expectations and then set that boundaries and be okay with saying no. Um, and so I think especially, you know, for, uh, people during the holidays, there's a lot going on. So pull it back, pull, pull back a little bit. Um, and I think that can be true for just different seasons of life, right? Yeah. I'm about to go into my daughter's senior year. And so we've decided as a family that we're going to pull back on some things. Um, you know, she's, she's been an Irish dancer for 10 years. She's not going to Irish dance this year because she wants to be able to have more time to be with friends and family and not have, you know, so much of her time, uh, be at dance. Um, she wants to make sure she can focus on her studies as she's getting ready to apply to colleges, you know, so teaching her as a kid, I mean, you ask my kids, they'll tell you about what it means to say yes. And about a chair because mm. they hear it all the time from me. Like <laughs> you say yes to one thing. Are you ready to say no to something else? Because you can only fit so much. Um, so yeah, those would be my two big things, setting boundaries, um, setting boundaries in your emotions, um, setting boundaries with how much time you can spend with family. Um, don't overextend it so that then you all leave ugly, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> because mm -hmm. emotions got high. You know, if you, if you have a family where it's like, you know, two hours is all you can spend, then you set the boundary ahead of time. And if they're like, oh, but we want you to stay all day and then we'll do this and this and this. If you know the pattern is two hours is all you can do, then you set the boundary and say, we will be there from 12 until two. And then, and then we'll have to go. You don't have to explain yourself to anyone. You are your own boss in that way. Um, or you're traveling and you know, it's like, we can do three days, but that's it. Cause usually after three days, everyone's crabby, everyone's tired and emotions run, you know, run thin, then set your boundary for three days. And when they try to talk you into something else, again, that's part of you taking care of yourself and setting that boundary and say, nope, we'll be there for three days. Um, but when we set out too many chairs, something's going to give. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes that's our own mm -hmm. mental health. It's our own self-care. It's all of those types of things that we talked about. Yeah. Now, everything you said, I just completely relate to and have experienced in my own life too, of just that, yeah, I needed to do that. And I, I needed to put boundaries because it's so easy to all of a sudden your December is filled up and then you're dreading going to all these holiday parties. You got your work holiday party, family, friends, and you're like, I should be enjoying this. This is supposed to be the happiest month of the year or whatever. And I'm miserable fighting with my husband all the time. You know, it's, it's so important that even if it feels uncomfortable having to say no to some family or figuring that out, you have to do it. And I love what you said about seasons because just because you might not be able to go to that one tradition that you always have done this year, doesn't mean that it's always going to be that way. And I think we have to alleviate some of that pressure off of ourselves. And as, like you said, I'm about to have a baby in this holiday season and Thanksgiving's normally my favorite holiday. I love it so much. And I said, guys, I'm out this year. Sorry. Like don't count on us. 
probably isn't going to work out. I don't know what that's going to look like. And it made me really sad, but you know, I have to do that for this season. Next year will be different. So hopefully that just gives people permission in a weird way. Sometimes I think we need permission to just back out of something this year, or just to take a load off and and put those boundaries and expectations where they need to be. But, Mm -hmm. you know, this has been so informative, Stacey. I just, honestly could talk about this for hours. You know that both of our social worky selves here, so, but want to be respectful of your time and everyone else's time. But is there just any final things that you're like, man, I wish I would have said this or something before we wrap up here. Um, I don't, I don't think so. Other than, um, I guess I'm one, one other thing I would just say is just to make sure that you're building a village of people that are like-minded. Um, and that can be like your, um, you know, your champions of your own self-care or your ability to, you know, to say no to things. Um, I think sometimes if that doesn't come natural to you, you need to like have your people that are going to check in with you. Um, if, if you're like finding yourself in that burnout and not being able to complete, you know, that, you know, complete that uh, stress cycle, you know, grab two of those books, read it with a girlfriend or, you know, a a family member and talk about it and then be accountable to one another. Or, um, um, when I had a really hard time saying no to things, I had, um, a really close friend of mine who we read that Shauna Nequist book together. And when it just like really chapter five really changed me, um, she was an accountability a partner for me to say no. And so was my husband. And so for a season until I got better at it, um, anytime someone would ask me, I would say something to those two people. And then they would be like, monitor your chairs, monitor. And I literally have, this is an audio, but sitting in front of me um, on at my computer, I have a miniature chair that literally sits right next to my, and it's a visual reminder. So um, I just would encourage you if, if, if you have if if setting expectations or adjusting your expectations or boundaries or self-care or mindfulness is difficult find someone else that can help you as you work to um uh, develop those muscles in your life um, because it will just help you. Um, no one wants to walk this road alone and not in any of these subjects either. So just yeah. you know, find a buddy and um help them help you uh learn these new skills. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good, Stacy. And I knew the second you said that book, I was like, she's going to talk about those chairs. I knew it. I love it. I, love it. <laughs> I loved that chapter as well. I think yeah, that it's so good. just a good visual representation, but thank you so much for just sharing your wisdom and advice and being on here with us today. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Bridging the Gap podcast. We were honored to hear from Stacey Sikorsky on how self-care is more than just bubble baths and chocolate. Learn more about Bridging the Gap at mnbtg.org by downloading the Bridging the Gap app through your app store or by following MNBTG on social media. Thank you for joining us today and we look forward to being with you next time on the Bridging the Gap podcast.